You are listening to the podcast from Mosaic Church. Stay tuned after it for more info about how to get and stay connected with our church family. Now, let's dive into this week's message. Well, hello. Hi, everybody. Great to see you today on Easter Sunday. Some of you, this is the, it's the best you've looked in a year. <laughs> First time you broke that tie out in a while, but it's all good once a year, whether you need it or not, right? Hey, I didn't know. I know that you didn't come to church uh, on Easter necessarily for product placement, but can I just start by saying that the Apple Air Tag? You heard of the Air Tag? Yes, it's perhaps the greatest single invention in our culture over the last five years. Is this little electronic device you can attach to whatever you want and track it from your your smartphone, your luggage, perhaps if it gets lost. But this is this is an amazing development, I think, because if you're like me, and at this point, I sincerely hope you're not. That you would have some might say an unusual, even a special ability to lose your most precious possessions at the worst possible moment. Now, thankfully, Apple is doing their best not just to take over the world, but to help us with this bug in our operating system. Their tagline, pun intended for the product, is this. Lose your knack for losing things. I like that. Lose your knack for losing things. Why? Because we, we lose our wallets, keys, phone, purses, glasses, but sometimes we lose other things. Sometimes we lose more. Sometimes we lose worse. Sometimes we lose friends. They move on, they move away. Sometimes we lose family. Sometimes we lose what's most valuable, a marriage, a parent, a child, maybe faith. Sometimes despite even our best intentions, we lose ourselves. So what does it mean to be lost? It's my question today. What does it mean to be lost? If purses can get lost, what about people? What does it mean for people to be lost? Jesus of Nazareth, first century, Roman-occupied Israel, surrounded by a crowd of all kinds of folks, he tells a story about lostness. And it's about not just one kind of person, but two kinds of people. We'll look at the first today and the second at length next week. And in what's perhaps Jesus' most famous parable, his most famous story, the Gospel of Luke chapter 15, the master teacher, the master storyteller, leans forward and tells this story to those people that day. Verse 11, it says, Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. So Jesus begins his story by showing us that the story of God is really a story all about a father with a family. And in this family, there were two sons. Verse 12, the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. It's a shocking introduction. The younger son here doesn't ask. Instead, he demands, give me my money. Now, normally an estate would only be divided up after the father had died. So in essence, the son is saying, Dad, I want to live like you're dead now. And if that's hurtful to hear today, think about how much it would have been, it was particularly painful in that patriarchal culture. Dad, I wish you were dead and I could get your stuff. But what's most shocking is that the father does what the son demands. It says, so he divided his property between them. Now, we read the word here in English as the word property, but in the Greek, it's the word bios, where we get biology or life. That's what land, cattle, 
property meant to them. It was their life, their livelihood, their livestock was in the land. And the most valuable thing the father had, therefore, he gave. He divided up his very life between them. Not too long after that, then the younger son got together all he had and he set off for a distant country. My question at this point is this. I was looking through this. I asked, well, why? Why did the younger son do this? I mean, you ever thought about what it might have been like, must have been like to grow up in that family? Maybe with such a great, loving, successful, wealthy father, the, the son couldn't take it anymore. He kind of just wanted to get out from his father's shadow, get out away from his father's reputation, or maybe. Maybe he was real tired of living his life around his self-righteous, insufferable older brother, we'll meet him a bit in a moment, who seemed practically perfect in every way, but inside was only full of himself. But either way, or for another reason, he does what all lost younger sons do. He moves away from the stuffy, conservative town where everybody knew him, and he relocates to the liberal town. In other words, he moved from Dallas to Austin. <laughs> and it says there in Austin, he squandered his wealth in wild living. I love this word squandered. It's the Greek word diaskarpizo. It's a great word with a great picture. Diaskarpizo means to have a, a handful of a commodity, something like wheat in your hand and you open your hand and the wind blows and it all blows away. You had something, but you were left with nothing. See, the younger son's inheritance diaskarpizoed through wild living, it says. That word wild means wasteful. In other words, the son left his father's home to get wasted, to waste his life over and over. He didn't stop until he diaskarpizoed everything. So let's pause here and ask our question again. What does it mean to be lost? Hmm? So far, Jesus has shown us to be lost means to search for home away from home, capital H. Home away from home, a home away from God, uh, any home away from the Father's heart. Some, someone by the name of Henri Nguyen, you may know the name, he was a Roman Catholic priest and writer, and he wrote a little book all about the impact that the painting by the Dutch master Rembrandt had made on him, and both the painting and the book share the same name called The Return of the prodigal son. And the wind said this about what it means to be lost, a lost younger son. He said this, I am the prodigal or wasteful son every time I search for unconditional love where it cannot be found. As long as we live within the world's delusions, our addictions, his word, of sex, money, food, and power condemn us to futile quests in the distant country, leaving us to face an endless series of disappointments while our sense of self remains unfulfilled. In these days of increasing addictions, we have wandered far away from Father's home. It is a life lived in a distant country. It is from there that our cry for deliverance rises up. Okay. So good, isn't it? But, but does the younger son's cry for deliverance rise up? No, no, not quite yet. Not just now. Verse 14, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So what does he do? Does he phone a friend, uh, call his dad, you know, text back home, dad, I need you. No, no, no. He does what we do. He turns to anything and everything else first 
to help him stay lost. Verse 15, so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Can you see the bitter irony here? The original here is what have This young man left home to be free, but instead, in the end, he wasn't. He, he was doing no Jewish boy could ever grow up imagining himself that he would become growing up working for a Gentile. Feeding pigs, the most unclean animal in the Jewish faith system. See, living apart from the father hadn't freed him. It had only chained him, reduced him, shrunk him. And by the way, if this is you, you'll always find people like this guy found who will help teach you, encourage you, pay you to stay away from God, to stay away from the father. But if you've run away, somebody drug you here today, or if inside you're preparing to run away, you just hadn't told anybody you're there yet. You got one foot on the door, two feet out in the parking lot today. If that's you, I want you to know how Jesus says spiritual homelessness always ends. It always ends, we're shown, with starvation. Verse 15, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Kurt Cobain, the lead singer of the band Nirvana, uh, it's the band uh, whose t-shirt approximately one-third of all middle school and high school students wear today on the campus. This is true. He once gave an, an interview about his drug addiction, about his younger brother lostness. My words, not his. But he said he hated what the drugs did to him or doing to him. But once he started, he said he just couldn't quit. And here's what he said in the interview. He said, I tried as hard as I could to keep it from everyone. I just hope to God nobody is influenced to do drugs because of me, Cobain continued. Heroin is a really, really evil drug. I think opiates are directly linked to Satan. Fascinating, right? One week later to the day after this interview, he was dead of a drug overdose. He he longed to fill his stomach with freedom, but in the end, starved to death his own way. Now, does lostness always end like that? No, it doesn't, but it can. And too often, we know today, it does so. What needs to happen to us? Jesus shows us, verse 17. It says, the younger son, when he came to his senses. Now, how did he come to his senses? We're about to read it. Here's how. He comes to his senses when he remembers. He remembers what home was like. He remembers what his father's house was like, what it was like to be loved by a dad like dad. And he said, oh, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare. And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So the younger son, he turns his back on his far-off country, and he begins to make the journey home. Verse 20, so he got up. King James Version says, he arose, and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. This is amazing. What kind of wealthy father would hike up his robes? And run like a little kid? Oh, apparently this one. Wait a second. Hang on. Audience is saying, asking, maybe you. God is like this? Like a father who welcomes his lost son's home with a kiss? Jesus says, yes, yes. A few years ago, I was 
actually doing a little Bible study on this passage with a Muslim friend of mine. We'll call him Ahmed. And he, he wanted to know more about the Bible, teachings of Isa, of Jesus, and more uh, about that. And so he'd escaped the war in Iraq as a teenager, fled to Egypt, came to the States, made his way here to Austin. And we met through a mutual friend, struck up a conversation, and we, we, we got going on this passage. And when we got to this verse, and we got to this part, he stopped me. He looked up at, 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 at me at a table in a Starbucks. Incredulous. He said, I, I can't believe this. He said, I do not like this. Do you mean to tell me the father just forgave the son after he treated him like that? He said, we would never do that in my culture. I've had men kill my family and hold a gun to my head. Do you know what that's like? I said, I do not. I do not. He said, this story is why I cannot believe in Christianity. I cannot accept a forgiveness like this. You know what? I think Ahmed understood the passage better than I did. I think he felt it more rightly than we do. He understood exactly what was happening here, which was shocking, extravagant, undeserved. Here's the word, offensive, grace. Grace. So what does the son say when his father gives him grace? Verse 21, the son said to him, he starts getting going on his speech. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Now, notice here what he doesn't say. He doesn't say something we might say today, which would be this. You know, dad, now that I'm back home upon second thought, I really am a highly educated, self-actualized modern person, after all, who rejects all meta-narratives about ultimate reality. Therefore, I am owed absolute agency over my life in order to maintain my feeling-centric, constructed identity. And really, I've only just made a few mistakes. No, he says, I have sinned, and I don't deserve to be called your son. And in the middle of his speech, the dad cuts him off. Father said to his servants, quick, be quick about it. Bring the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf. That's a once in a lifetime steak dinner and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine. Here's the punchline. Was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. It's amazing, but there wasn't just one lost son in Jesus' story. There were two. Let's meet him briefly now. Meanwhile, oh, meanwhile, cut camera. Scene two. The older son is out in the field, and in him we meet a person who is equally lost, just in another way. He was not lost, we'll see, because he broke the rules, but because he kept the rules. He didn't leave home to get the father's stuff. He stayed at home to get the father's stuff. Still around the house, but not at home inside with the father. And when he hears that dad has thrown a party for his prodigal younger brother, this is what he says, verse 29. But he answered his father. He said, look. Now, I, I don't know what kind of home you grew up in. If it were mine and I said something like this to mom or pop, I'm pretty sure I would have had something else coming to me. All right, look. All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. You're not there, Dad, but my friends are. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property, your life, with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? 
I've got a pastor friend right now. He's fighting for his life. All he wanted to do was to build a church, to help people, reach people for God, help them on their way. But he got so sick. He got so sick that he couldn't get out of bed for months and he's watched his church wither and his dream die. And he said one day after a medical treatment, he said he got back in his car. So discouraged, weak, and angry. He said, I sat in the dark and I cursed God. Cursed him. Every word you can think of. He asked God, why are all the people who are running away from you healthy? And I'm so sick, I can't even walk. He said he sat in the dark, he cursed God. He cursed the people. He cursed his church. Now listen, I blame him 0%. I think he just got lost. So let's pause for a second time here. Drop our anchor for a moment and ask, what does it look like again to be lost? Well, it's not just a secret home away from home, but it's to use our goodness to stay away from God. Even our good things. Let me ask you, do you feel God owes you today because of the good things you've done? Because of your good liberal political values? Your good conservative liberal values? Your good independent political values? Your good family values? Your good progressive values, like your open-minded tolerant. Listen, younger sons and daughters who leave get lost. Older sons and daughters who stay can get lost. But in the end, the good news is this. The father forgave both. He welcomed home both. How did he do it? How did this father forgive both kinds of sons? And my answer is, I don't know. (laughs) I actually don't know how this father did it, but I know how our better heavenly father can and does. And the key to seeing that is all the way back at the beginning. Verse 11, where it says, Jesus continued. Well, continued what? Well, you should know. This story isn't a standalone. It's the punchline in a three-part season uh, arc of stories Jesus told about lostness. Episode one is about a man who loses his sheep when the sheep gets lost. He didn't have an air tag. He didn't have a smartphone. He went out instead looking for it. Second story is a story about a woman with a lost coin. She didn't tag it. She couldn't find it. She had to go out looking for it to find it. And then there's this third and final story in which Jesus continued to speak about lostness. And here we have not a sheep or a coin, but a person, a son who gets lost away from his father. But unlike the sheep or the coin, no one goes looking after him. Who should have? Someone. It was the elder brother, of course. The older brother who had his father's riches, had a double portion of the inheritance, but he couldn't and wouldn't go. See, in this story, Jesus leaves us hanging. He gives us a wretched elder brother so we will long for our heart's true need, a truer, greater, better elder brother. See, at his own expense, Jesus went out. He came to our world looking to search for all the lost sons and all the lost daughters. Right now, you should know this. Mosaic Church trying to do a bit of the same. We're helping to start a new campus ministry out in West Texas, San Angelo State University. And along with three other sister churches from around the region, we take turns going and visiting and supporting the little uh, meeting. And two weeks ago, our sister church from Midland came to support what was going on. And in the hours leading up to the meeting, uh, they sent a pastor, uh, they sent a little small team, and they walked the campus inviting anybody that they ran into. And one young man, we'll call him Steve, he was invited. And he came to the meeting that night 
Like only 10 students there on the spot. He was so moved by what he felt that night that he opened up at the end and he said, I know I've been living apart from God. I know I haven't been right with God. Uh, He said, I've got a sister who's coming to school here. Next year, I've got to get things right before she comes. And he said he was so burdened by the lostness of his life. He said the night before he had prayed, God, if you're real and you want me to serve you, will you send someone to talk to me? The next day, on campus, he meets a pastor named Philo Gallindo out searching for students, walking to campus. I'm going to tell you, Jesus is just like that, except way better, way better. Searching for us didn't cost him time or money. No, it cost him his whole life, didn't it? It cost him his blood. It cost him his breath on Good Friday. It cost him his own family who forsook him and his friends who betrayed him. It cost him the eternal love he had had at home with his heavenly father from forever. And as he died on the cross, he cried out, my God, why have you forsaken me? Oh, but death couldn't keep the truer, better elder brother down or dead. No, Jesus Christ, the king, was resurrected. Oh, this shows that even the most powerful, inevitable force humanity has ever faced and you will face one day could not triumph. Jesus was literally, physically, bodily, in time and space, out of a rich man's tomb, actually resurrected. For you, and you, and you, me, And us, and therefore, the resurrection today means this. Easter Sunday means all the lost can be found. The resurrection means dead dreams can come back to life. The resurrection resurrection means all day, one day, all things will be made new. The resurrection means death is not the end. The resurrection means there can be a happy ending. For you and for me and for us, it means every evil power will one day be utterly destroyed. But... The resurrection, above all, proves that Jesus Christ was God in a body come to save us, though we did not deserve it. And for all those who would believe on him and follow him, it means our Heavenly Father could give us the gift of eternal life, of knowing and being embraced by him today. And maybe even best of all, the resurrection means that Jesus today is still out searching and finding all Lost kids. Thanks for listening. For more info about how to get and stay connected to Mosaic Church, please visit us online at www.mosaicchurchaustin.com or download our app from your app store.